Hi, Insiders! It's me, Lisa, back for a new episode of Disney Movie Insiders Presents. Andor started streaming today on Disney+, and I want to know, who else is excited for this series? Diego Luna is back as Cassian Andor and on a journey to discover the difference he can make. Set five years before the events of Rogue One, it's a time filled with danger, deception, and intrigue where Cassian will embark on the path that is destined to turn him into a rebel hero. Like many fans, I absolutely loved Rogue One. It was inspiring, moving, and led perfectly to Episode 4. I'm on the edge of my seat seeing how the events in this series shape Cassian into the man we meet in Rogue One. Not to mention the rebellion is building. So much is at stake, I can't wait to see how this story unfolds. To tell us even more about Andor, let's welcome Kyle Solar and Denise Goff. Hello, you two. Welcome to the show. Hey, Hi. What's up? We're so happy to have you here. Oh my gosh, we're so excited for Andor. This series is building on the rebellion, the empire. Fans know it's all leading to Rogue One and the infamous Death Star. It's a time full of secrets, but it sounds like both of your characters have a lot to protect. <laughs> tell us who you play and how they exist in the empire during this time. So I play Dedra Miro and I work for the ISB and I'm super happy about that because I love the Empire. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. First of all, I think the Empire is under threat. And I think just like Cassian says in the trailer, I think they are fat and full of themselves and I need them to change because otherwise the Empire is at risk, right? So Dedra is going in there in her own sort of rebellion and saying to them, you need to wake up, we're under threat. And so that's where she starts out and then you're just going to see the lengths she's going to go to to get them to hear what she's saying and prove her point and therefore become the most powerful woman in the galaxy. <laughs> you know? Bold, bold description there. I love her already. Uh, you get it. I mean, it's what we all want. Yeah. To be queens of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Kyle, what about you? Can you top so, that? <laughs> so, <laughs> so Cyril Karn is working for the corporate security sector in the outer reaches of the galaxy where there's not much empire, imperial influence. And uh, he wishes that there was because he can sense that there are rebellious rumblings mm. happening. And he has a really strong moral compass and desire actually to transcend his station where he is and become part of something greater, which mm. let's face it is the empire. Cause he's drunk that Kool-Aid and it tastes real nice. And <laughs> um, he finds a purpose in going after Cassian and he becomes like a dog with a bone. And he is also desperate to, to become a part of the empire and the part of the ISB. And as he crosses paths with Dedra, he finds that they share a similar obsession in Cassian and a similar um, purpose in actually perfecting what the empire means and what it is. Mm. And it's dangerous when that combination begins. Yeah, yeah, because also it's dangerous if you've got two people who are desperate to prove themselves yeah. and to prove something in a fascist regime, then the things they're going to do are going to have to do to prove their point are quite like dark. Yeah. Like initially, I think with Dedra, certainly, especially I think 
like female viewers are going to be like, yay, go sister. This is like, you know, you're in a, a male dominated business and you'll sort of forget until then in another scene, she's doing something horrific and you think, oh God, actually, no, we don't want her to become powerful <laughs> because yeah, it's a dangerous thing when people enter a fascist regime looking to prove themselves what they're capable of knows no bounds. Mm. And then they meet and uh, yeah, <laughs> then it gets all sorts of and juicy. And they go for a walk. They and, go for a walk. You know, they buy a dog. They get a dog. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, nice. <laughs> they set up on a many petties because they both like them. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you have a lot. <laughs> It sounds like you both have a lot in common where we really do. We really do. And like Cyril's obsession with tailoring, I picked that up in my fitting when I asked that my uniform be tailored. And the designer was like, I can't believe you've asked that because that's Cyril's (laughs) obsession. And I was like, who is this Cyril? (laughs) I like that sound of him. I like the cut of his jib. That's going to be. Oh my gosh. That's amazing, though. I love how you guys are starting in the series kind of separate with separate motivations but then Cassian binds you together and then now you're gonna see where it takes you so obviously you guys are talking about this this is a dark time like this is intense and in Star Wars we see those characters embodied in these iconic villains so do you have any favorite Star Wars villains that you loved before the series or anything that maybe you use from them as a reference to take on and embody in your characters I had never seen Star Wars, so she's a newbie. So I'm a newbie. This is my. Did you study up or like discover one? That's actually exciting. No, not at all. No, no I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's been an amazing 24 hours for me to like watch the penny drop and actually like <laughs> see her learn realized. what the difference is between C3PO and R2D2. <laughs> I'm being educated. Like I did think yesterday as the questions went on and we did like this quiz about what you know about Star Wars and I was like, oh my god. But, <laughs> The fandom is going to be like, who is this interloper? How dare she? But what I can say is that I love Andor so much. I love what I'm getting to do in this universe. And I, although I don't have a Star Wars villain that I would have based Edra on, I do think that if all these villains met through the history of Star Wars, I think our guys like Dedra and Cyril would absolutely fit in perfectly in the kind of the collage of villains that there are. It's a pretty good crew, isn't it? Yeah, it's really great. And I do think of people like um, Gustavo Fring in Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Mm. but also I'm watching Sopranos again and and Tony Soprano is an excellent villain. villain. Like he's so dark and so twisted in so many ways. And yet you, or like Corrado, yeah, like Uncle Junior. Yeah. I watched the other night and he falls down the steps of the courthouse and I was like, oh my God, the poor guy. And then I thought he's killed so many people <laughs> and yet I kind of love him. So I'm hoping that that's what people feel about Dedra. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that Tony's created in in Rogue One and Andor. Like, I mean, Cassian is a completely conflicting character, yeah. isn't he? And then mm-hmm. he's also done that with the villains. He's created yeah. these three-dimensional you know, they're the little baby villains. They're trying to figure yeah, it out, like you know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, they're like, like baby pre-adolescent, yeah. like, can We're I really be a villain? Like, what does it take? Yeah, don't and, be. But you, it's not a kind of like old 
two-dimensional sort of like fully formed empire kind of villain you know yeah, they're yeah. still figuring it out they're human beings and they're like there was a scene i had that you know dedra has a, an argument with somebody at work and she's she feels humiliated and she goes away like i'm standing at a window somewhere and i'm thinking oh my god and she's about to cry and then she kind of says to herself just pull yourself together and i thought that is such a real thing that happens and somebody shouts at you and you feel humiliated and you can't, especially as a girl, you can't like show that you're really upset. But I really liked that I was able within this expanse, like what Tony has given us is just this kind of freedom to find the human in these, like, I didn't have to pretend that I didn't want to, to cry. It was like, she's so upset right now. Mm. And I don't have to go, but she's a villain. So I can't like show that. I think the more you see these people experience all the different facets of what it is to be human, the more interesting they are. And when yeah, they totally. do terrible things, you're like, oh, God. why did she have to do that to that tiny person? Well, we so appreciate, I mean, even there, even there, Denise, you reference so many other iconic villains. You both now are becoming a part of this amazing franchise, the Star Wars family <laughs> on the dark side, rather, but you're a part of it. And we're so excited to see this series and see where you guys take us into the empire. It's very, very exciting. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you. To tell us more about the iconic character of Mon Mothma, we're talking to Genevieve O'Reilly. Hi, Genevieve. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited for you to be in the series and your character to be such a focal point. You described her as being a pillar of strength and diplomacy, but in this series, she's living a secret life, so I imagine she's on edge. How did you approach playing her now versus the other projects you've played her in the past? Well, I feel like previously we've seen her at really important moments within the stories. They're very public moments, like in Rogue One, where she introduces Cassie into Jin and then sends them off on their mission. And the other moments that Caroline had in uh, Return of the Jedi were similar to that. So they're very, they're quite dignified. They're quite, um, uh, they have, they have a lot of gravitas and they are really important moments. I feel like in Andor, we get the chance to see the woman outside of the moment. We get to meet her as a senator within Empire, but we also get to meet her as a woman having to navigate her life within empire. We know what her ideals are. We know what drives her. And we find her in a place and within the structure of empire that is very difficult for her. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to see, like already just from the trailer that I saw, you can tell like her passion and just obviously that look that we see, by the way, I've got to say, you look amazing in that, <laughs> but I want to talk about your journey. Cause you're talking about how Mon Mothma's journey, we're going to expand on that. How would you describe your journey playing this character? Because there was a time when you were new on a Star Wars set, but since then this character has become a beloved legacy character and you're a vet on a Star Wars set. So how has that come about and how has that felt for you over the years? You know, I was introduced to the Star Wars world when I was uh, a very young actor. I went to an audition and I read for the role of this young Mon Mothma for a scene in Revenge of the Sith. And I was very lucky to get the role 
And I remember that experience really fondly. I remember working with Natalie Portman and Jimmy Smits and George Lucas and Anthony Daniels, getting to create those scenes where they're talking about forming a rebel alliance. And although they didn't make the final cut of the film, and of course they didn't because that film is about Darth Vader becoming Darth Vader or Anakin becoming Darth Vader, I still carry the memory of those scenes inside me. I carry them. And so when I have returned to Mon Mothma at different times and had the great fortune of playing her in the, in the Rebels, with, in, the, in the Voice series, and also then in um, Rogue One, I carry her history with me as well. And I think that feels really unique. I feel it, for me, it's really special. It sounds so special. And the way that you speak about it is very moving. And I've got to say, I geeked out that you mentioned Jimmy Smith because I think you're in such an amazing time where Jimmy Smith, we got to see more of him in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, And now we're seeing more of your character. So it's like a beautiful circle of life almost to get to see your characters expand on their stories. Thank you so much, Genevieve, for the time. And we're so excited for the series and seeing more and more of Mon Mothma. Oh, thank you. Enjoy it. I'm so excited. This has been such a fun-filled episode and who better to join us than Eric, who's a ton of fun and who works on the Disney Movie Insiders team. Hi, Eric. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you here. Okay, so tell us, you're a part of the Disney family. What do you do for the company? Uh, I currently work for Disney Movie Insiders and I oversee customer care. So the entire implementation of all of that and how all of that works. So fun. And so obviously you care a lot about Star Wars and because we're celebrating Andor on this episode, I love that just everything is, oh, everything's all about Star Wars right now. So tell us, how did you become a fan? Oh, wow. Well, when I was a kid, I had a lot of older cousins, maybe about five years older than me. And I was a child of the 80s and they had all the Star Wars toys. So I was more into the Star Wars toys before I saw the movies. You know, ultimately, I saw the movies as like a five or six year old and I was able to kind of figure out exactly, you know, what action figures were what character. But really, it was the toys that got me into it. Oh, so cool. Actually, that's pretty crazy. I feel like when I look back at some of my favorite memories growing up about movies, like you do, you remember that toy. So I think it's super cool. I feel like Star Wars toys are like epic. (laughs) And I still and I still collect them today. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I heard that you might have a special story about being a Star Wars fan in line somewhere. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, so in 1997, they you know they re-released the original Star Wars movies, the Star Wars special editions, and in January, in the freezing cold, when I was living in Wisconsin, uh, as a 16-year-old, I, me and a bunch of friends, we waited in line all day um, in the cold with our lightsabers and our costumes. And our local newspaper for the city I lived in came by and snapped some photos and that showed up. This was a Friday that showed up in the Saturday issue of our local newspaper. But then that following Monday on the cover of USA Today covering the weekend, the past weekend, it was like Star Warriors like hit the theaters and there was four pictures across the country, San Francisco, Chicago, and then my little city in Wisconsin. (laughs) It had my full name with my lightsaber. 
battling a friend of mine. And yeah, everyone knew where I was that day because I was not at school, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the best. That's the best closer of that story right there. You're like, I wasn't actually at school. But you know what, Eric, that is so insanely impressive and speaks to just you as a person and how much Star Wars means to you because that's intense. You're out in the cold. You got the lightsaber, the costume, though. That's pretty, pretty cool. And it just shows how much Star Wars can mean to fans. That is super, super cool. Okay, well, I love the fandom that we're sharing right now. Are you willing to take on the Insider Five with us? Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Question number one. What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? Wow. So that will have to be the, I think it was on Sunday nights. There was like, you know, Disney movie on Sunday nights. I think it was on ABC back when I was 10. And I would, I would always watch that, you know, me and my, my dad, my mom, my two brothers, we would all like curl around the TV, late eighties, early nineties and and, and watch all of those movies. Of course, shortly after that, we started collecting all the, the VHS, those old big clamshell VHSs. <laughs> but, but really it was, it was that Sunday night movie on ABC, I believe it was. Hmm, so fun. I love that. Those are like the best memories. You're like together with your family. Also, Eric, I had I want I was almost tempted to ask you earlier your favorite Star Wars movie. Are you gonna give us at least one of your favorites of those? <laughs> oh sure. Uh you know, Empire Strikes Back. I know it's a popular choice, but yes. it is just clearly it's clearly the best one. <laughs> so good. <laughs> okay, next question, the insider five. If you could only ride one ride all day to Disney Park, which would it be? Oh, wow. So um, I've only been on it once and it is probably the newest ride, but Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Um, yes. I, it is just, there's so much to it. There's so much to look at. Um, if I could ride on it all day and, and say 10 times, I feel like I would see something new every single time. And um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm fascinated with that ride. Just the story it tells, the mechanics, how everything works. Um, I, I would soak it up. It really is such an adventure when you go in there, right? And exactly to your point, you're seeing different vantage points. Like you totally have a different experience. One of my all-time favorites as well. So cool. Next question. It's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? Oh, wow. So uh, this is going to be, this would have to be the the original Ewok song at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I say original because they, they ended up taking that out in like the newer releases um, and they just put in like a score. But originally there was like this, the Ewoks were singing and it was called Yub Nub. And I, you know, I don't know what the words they're singing because it's Ewokies. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Stuck in, my, stuck in my head as a kid and that would be it. I, I, and I think everyone that was there while I was doing karaoke would probably leave, but. Uh. <laughs> Not true. It's those diehard fans, those like legit fans. And even you don't even have to be like on that level, like of extreme, but I love it. That was fantastic. Also Ewoks, how can you not adore the Ewoks? Of course, of course. Next question. You're invited to a Disney themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? Ooh, I'd have to say Han Solo. He's he's my favorite Star Wars character. He's he just oozes cool, calm. Um, you know, he always has the 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 right response to any situation, even when it's the wrong response, it still turns out okay because it's Han Solo. Yeah, Han Solo for sure. I mean, Leia and Han like the most epic moment. I love you. I know. Come on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and to close us out on the Insider Five, 
Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? Ooh. I'm going to have to say Yoda. Um, you know, he's wise, but that, that quote, try not, do, or do not, there is no try, that's always stuck with me. Um, it sticks with me every day. I tell people when they're saying, okay, I'll give that a try, and I'm always like, try not, do, or do not, there is no try. So um, I feel like that just applies to everything. It really, really does. Thank you so much, Eric, for sharing what you do for the company, how you're such a big Star Wars fan and taking on the Insider Five with us. Great, thank you, Lisa, for having me. That's our show. Andor is now streaming on Disney Plus. So you don't miss any upcoming podcast episodes, subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a rating and review. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code FERIX. That's FERIX spelled F-E-R-R-I-X. The code expires October 4th, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, insiders, with more Disney movie magic.